Thanks for joining us in this uh, episode of Users First, a UX Design podcast. I'm Alessio Vergudi, your host, and I'm really happy to be back after a few months that was off the podcast. You know, with the pandemic and everything, um, things change unexpectedly and very fast. And I hope you're doing well, by the way. Um, I'm just saying it's very hard to make plans ahead and uh, things change con- constantly. Um, so we have to adapt as the, as the time moves forward. But the most important thing is to be uh, projected in the future and uh, have uh, clear objectives in mind. Also, I really want to thank all the t- listeners that um, have met me uh, thanks to Spotify. I mean, it's pretty amazing that uh, you guys are listening right now to my podcast. Um, you know, I'm trying my best to, 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 to share uh, my legal knowledge with you and also um, to, to get other people to share their knowledge with you on the podcast so that you can become a better person and also a better designer. And I really, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to come here and listen to my, <laughs> to my voice um, talking to you. Um, what we're doing today, uh, we're having on the episode a uh, user research lead from Atlanta. His name is uh, Perry. And Perry today is going to share with us his expertise as a user research lead and uh, his involvement in the user, in the user experience uh, team in his company. Uh, what he does, uh, how he leads research, what research is, and how he communicates that with stakeholders and other team members so that the project can move forward. So thanks for joining us, Perry. I mean, it's, it's amazing. You know, thanks a lot for taking the time to share your uh, experience with us today. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here. You know, it's nice to get a chance to join our time zones together. Um, I know it's, it's, what time is it there? Is it, yeah. is it nighttime? Seven, seven, seven 7.15 right now. So before, before dinner time. Yeah. Before dinner time. Yeah. Yeah. You're, um, you're, you're lunchtime, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's about lunchtime here, but you know, with, with the way the world is, I mean, anytime could be lunchtime these days. It could be lunch in the morning, evening, whenever. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and especially working remotely, it's, everything has changed so much, you know, like, um, you work, you work at night sometimes it's like you have lunch at four, uh, it's like times and hours have just gone crazy. Uh, sometimes that's I exactly wake up at right. nine. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. exactly it. I mean, I know uh, a lot of people working globally, um, you know, it, it doesn't stop always at, at, on the dot at five, you know, there's, there's times where we have to make, make it work. And sometimes that means having conversations early in the morning, late at night. And, and that's just, that's just the way it works for now. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's okay. And, uh, time has become more flexible. So I guess there is pros and cons of working at home, but, um, hopefully I really hope that, um, in a few months we can kind of get back to the office, you know, a couple of times a week to get that extra motivation to get things done and meet colleagues and get a nice cappuccino at Starbucks. <laughs> Those exactly. tiny little exactly. things. Yes. Exactly. Awesome. You know, Perry, uh, I, um, you have lots of experience in the past five years. You've been working um, in the UX field. Uh, you, you've worked as UX designer as well. Uh, I've also seen uh, some of your previous experience working in summer camps, which is uh, really, really cool because I, I also worked uh, in places like that with, with teenagers and 
and kids and and that is awesome you know um wonder i was wondering what interests you to to get into the ux field from going from coming from ux design uh and diving in specifically into research yeah so um i'll talk a bit about the summer camp aspect because i think that's really interesting that you brought that up um i think that you know summer camps are a great place to explore um and and iterate it is oftentimes like people think about summer camps and they say oh what's this gonna what's this gonna do for me and i think it can do a lot um i think that you know you learn how to try new things and you learn how to um, take risks so i think it ties in really well to the field of ux and um You know, what drew me into UX is is exactly that. You know, it's it's getting to try new things and and put put experiences in front of people. You know, people look at UX are like, oh, you're you're designing products, and it's really it really is about the experience, right? Um, what experience will will get someone to do something um, and get them to do it where there's the least amount of points of friction possible? And that's what I really like about it. You know, I like the aspect of, of solving puzzles, um, working with people to make it happen. And, and that's really what it comes down to, I think. Awesome, man. I completely agree with that. As a matter of fact, when I was a kid, I used to go to summer camps and I used to love them so much. I was always so happy just being around the nature and making friends. Uh, unfortunately, something that kids can't do anymore nowadays because of the pandemic. It is an experience that has been taken away from them. And I feel very sorry uh, for, for it. But um, I hope it can, it can recover soon. Um, in my previous years as well, I had a very similar experience. I used to work as a, um, a tourist guide for um, teenagers uh, and, um, and kids. Going from um, from a 12 year old age to a 17 year old age, and it was very very fun. I used to take them to parks and museums, uh, city centers, and um, it, it was uh, very very interesting. And one of the things that um, really really uh, stayed with me, one of the experiences, is how I was able to empathize with them and understand like actually what they what they needed and help them help them achieve their experience. You know, um, if I would take them to the park, I would try to, to do my best, you know, to encourage them to, to do things. You know, I would, uh, I would increase their, um, their, um, their, their experience. I would emphasize their experience. And it is something that I've also taken to UX as well. Like, how do I actually make sure that the people I'm taking care of are truly taken care of? So this is something that you, 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 you take in your life, that, uh, that kind of experience. Yeah. It's actually interesting, you know, you mentioned that experience with the being, you know, the tour, tour guide. Um, and I think the thing there, it's really, it's really interesting because, you know, not everyone's the same. You know, you have people of all, uh, from all walks of life and, and getting to know what, what motivates them and what excites them is, is really key because, you know, there's always, we can ask someone why they like something or why they don't, and they might give us an answer, but there's always more to the story, I feel. And that's where we have to be able to use what makes us uh, being in the field of UX. And we have to use those, those areas of our, our brain to be able to dive deeper and, and find out what the root of something is. So I, I think the way you describe that is really, really key there. Yes, yes, it, it is. It is because uh, in these industries, for example, right, could be summer camps, it could be uh, to, uh, touring guides or, or whatever. 
there is always um it's always a business right so the, the the goal of the business is eventually making money but you as a person working there and being in touch with people you have the responsibility to make sure that those people are not considered anymore as numbers and uh, revenue for the for the company but a person that needs to be taken care of for their needs you know when do we go to lunch uh, when do we go to the park? Uh, what time? Is there going to be sun to the park, right? What are we going to do? Are we going to lay down in the park? Are we going to play soccer in the park? Uh, how are we going to do it? Uh, are we going to have barbecue tonight? You know, like all these kind of things. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's it's pretty interesting how you can bring these uh, these things to the <laughs> to the research aspect because we're truly like uh, taking care of uh, people like that are using an application on a software. Yeah, that's that. I mean, that brings up a good point. You know, I, I think it's it's a really interesting intersection between the, the the needs of the the person or the user, and then the needs of the business. Because you're right. You know, at the end of the day, the goal is to make money. Because if we don't make money, then the the businesses can't can't function and, and we'll close down. So I think it's finding walking in that fine line and being able to work with various people like stakeholders, uh, people in product, um, UX designers, marketing, and, and finding that middle ground and being able to negotiate what matters most to both the business and the, the, the people that we put these products out to. So, yeah. Yeah. And is that, is that why, um, is that why research is, is needed uh, in a company to make sure that the users are, are, are brought on the, on the right path? Yeah. So um, I think back to the example of Blockbuster, right? So Blockbuster didn't adapt to the times very well. You know, they, they, they saw a lot of these competitors out there like Netflix and Redbox and seeing those companies meet the needs of the users and finding what was going on with future trends. You know, people, yeah, on one hand, it's great to go to the video store and, and find something, but people, we live in a very instant gratification society at times. So I think looking at a company like Blockbuster, they didn't necessarily realize that and they had the opportunity to adjust and they chose not to. And I, I think taking that example into consideration, it's the same thing with, with any company these days, right? So we need to understand what the needs of our customers are. We need to find out where though that is headed in the future. And I think research is pivotal to that because if you don't consider that, you're not considering the pulse and, and you know the heartbeat of the customer and you're just putting out a product because you want to put it out. So what's the meaning and what's the impact behind that for the people that ultimately make the money for our company. Mm -hmm. But it's great. I completely agree with what you said. But how does a company, how can a company come to that understanding? Because not not every company nowadays understands that uh, they first need to understand what the user needs and then they can build something on top of it. How can you make someone understand the process? Yeah, so I, I think there's a few things, right? I think it's it's responsibility of a researcher to understand what those needs are. And there's there's various ways to do it. Oftentimes it, it takes the form of a, a kickoff session where we identify things like what are the biggest risks or biggest unknowns that we, we need to explore, right? And are we far enough ahead of a product launch where we have the time to do that? Because 
we we need to we need to understand what those risks and unknowns are, and we need to sit down with the people who we think that might be. So, in the case of you know, I'll, I'll use Netflix as an example, right? Mm-hmm. Netflix, um, they they have customers who rely on digital technology. And so you have to be able to go to where those people are and explore those unknowns. So I, I think having that in mind is really important and having a kickoff session where you plan out like objectives. What are we trying to explore? What's the problem space? And what do we not know? What are the questions we want to answer? And what are the assumptions that are tied to those questions really start to set us up for success and allow us to plan out research studies that, that show results and allow us to move forward. <laughs> and you know once once you get involved people in the project um first of all who who do you get involved like you mentioned a kickoff meeting who who would you call in a meeting a kickoff meeting um if you have one yeah so again it, it depends on um where we are in the project but if, if we're thinking generally um you know you have a product owner who is who's a partner who really uh, drives a lot of the product decisions. So, um, you know, what's a roadmap look like? What are we releasing and when? So they're really a big, big advocate and big stakeholder that we need to consider. Another one is the uh, designer itself, because they're a lot of the times the person who's driving design decisions and they're making those changes. Um, you might also have a developer involved too, because they're the ones that are going to be uh, pushing the direction of, of the development too. So that's typically a good um, group of people. There's other people that can be involved, but we don't want too many cooks in the kitchen to start out with at first. Good point. Exactly. Like, um, yeah, also you mentioned like one designer at least, uh, if there is too many designers and there is like one product owner and one developer, there could be an imbalance right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how, how often do you get them involved in the process? Like you have a kickoff meeting, right? You, you decide, you know, what the next steps are going to be, uh, the type of research that has been conducted previously, um, who you think the users might be, the risk, the potential risks to the projects, to the project. And once you begin the, the research, uh, right, um, do, you, do, you, do you keep them involved? Uh, how do you deal with them? Yeah, so there's a few ways to determine that. One model is a RACI matrix, which is R-A-C-I. And what it does, it, it talks about who's responsible, who's accountable, um, who needs to be consulted, and who needs to be informed. And that's great because, I mean, people are busy, right? So we can't pull in... Um, a few stakeholders like every day, right? Because they have their own things that they have to do. But we have the, the just assess the expectations of the team. So, you know, typically when we have that first kickoff, it, we're able to identify who needs to be involved with what. Um, if, if we're doing like moderated sessions where we're, we're speaking to users in real time, um, that might be where we have to involve people in the sessions and have them listening in in real time and capturing those notes together because it allows us to make decisions together and it allows us to uh, talk about next steps together, what kind of iterations we need to make together and it allows um, the evangelism of the research findings and insights together. And that's really key because if you have a product owner, for example, who needs to help define the direction of the product, if they're hearing from people firsthand in real time and talking about findings and next steps together, it allows us to move at a quicker pace versus releasing uh, findings three, four, five months down the road. 
yeah, and trying to convince them for something they don't want to do. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's exactly it, right? Um, yeah. If 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 they're hearing the findings later on, they're not convinced. Then your findings might not go anywhere. So yeah. they have to be bought into the process, and and having them involved mm-hmm. allows their buy-in to happen. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. In those four or five months, the, the building owner might, if if they're not involved, they might have some expectations of a product that you're not delivering because the user actually needs something else. And it creates friction between the designer and, and the colleagues. And you definitely don't want that. So you want to make sure you involve people in the process. I really, really like that approach as well. It's community, collaborative. Everybody's happy. Everybody knows what's happening. What's better than that? You know, I have a question. Um, what do you think is the most, um, is the most concerning part throughout the whole uh, UX design process from research to ideation? What's the most challenging part? Yeah, so there's, there's a few challenging pieces, right? I think, I think getting the kickoff right is really key here. And, you know, because people, Time is money, and and people people have a lot of things going on. So getting the getting the attention of people at the beginning and, and laying out those expectations and a timeline is really key. Because if you don't have a solid timeline, then you know you you could say like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna have this done next week. But if it's not clear to everyone, then it might drag into three, four, five, six weeks down the road. So I think those expectations are really clear. And then having people, having people's buy-in is not always easy. Like, for example, if we're doing a moderated session and the, and my expectation of a researcher as a researcher is to say, Hey, I really need these people involved in the process. But if I don't, if I don't make that clear to people, then they're not going to know otherwise. So I think setting those expectations from the start is really key. (laughs) Are you, um, you as a researcher, um, as a lead researcher, do you do you get involved in the in the in the ideation process as well? Yeah, there are those opportunities, and I think. Um, can you still hear me? By the way. Yeah. Yeah. So. Like, okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, I think there are opportunities to get involved with ideation. And again, that's is why um, having the right people involved in the process where people are all hearing the same thing and being able to talk about it and converse. That way, at the end, when we're talking about what next steps look like or what a design um, direction might head in, we're able to talk about that together. And it's really important. So even when we're doing um, like a design workshop, right, where we've ideated based on some past research findings, if the right people are involved, then it makes it a lot easier. We're all on the same page. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's that's awesome to hear. You know, one of one of the um, one of the most common questions that are asked online and also on work is is uh, it's more about how to choose a method. You know, there is lots of methods in UX and research um, that you can use. And this is one of the most challenging things for me as well. When I when I work, I always struggle to find uh, the right method, uh, the right research. Uh, um, do you have any suggestion on uh, on how to improve your ability of understanding, like when to use the right method, involve the right people, and use the right approach? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think I think the key thing there is oftentimes we try to jump right to the method, right, and we're like, okay, we're going to do usability test, and a lot of people say, yeah, let's get this done, let's figure it out. But I, I think it's really important to discover first off what 
where in the process we are, right? So again, if we don't know a lot, if we have a lot of unknowns and a lot of risks that we're trying to understand first, we might not start with the usability test, right? We might say like, we need to conduct user interviews first and learn about this before we um, create like a concept or a prototype because we wanna make sure that the information we're presenting to someone actually meet some of their needs first. So that's where we might say, okay, we're going to really explore the problem space. Um, and, and I think the key here also is that this is where those planning meetings come into play. And it's really important to say like, what, what questions do we have right off the bat? Right. And what assumptions do we have? If we don't have a lot of assumptions already, or if we have very few, then it's saying like, we need to just dive into user interviews and craft those first. If we have a general idea of of our user type of some of the problem space, then we can actually come and do it with a visual artifact or a concept and say, we're going to put this in front of users and get, get feedback and get their perspective on how they feel about this versus if we're already further along in the process and we're trying to refine um, the flow of our product or, or the design, we might say we're ready to test out some tasks and see if it meets the needs of our users as well. So it's really key that planning session is to get it right because of this very reason. We want to make sure we choose the right method as a result. Mm -hmm. When you, when you say planning a session, do you mean like planning ahead what to say in a, in a, in a meeting? Yeah. So like typically we'll have, we use what we call a research dashboard a lot of the times. And it's a, it's an overlay view of, of things like what's the objective or problem space, right? Um, what is the goal of what we're trying to accomplish through this research? Um, what are the research questions we want to answer? And do those tie to actual assumptions? So do we have an idea of what this design will do or what it won't do? So that key, that those key conversations around that will tell us if we're going to do generative research, which is more so like uh, contextual interviews, for example, or it might be a workshop where we need to dive deeper into the space, or it could be like we have a design already, so we're ready to put it into like a concept test and test out the sentiment around the design as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So in a real life scenario, if I were in a situation like that, um, would, I, would I do like a kickoff meeting and then uh, take this to the team and with the team, within the team, we would uh, we would kind of ask ourselves these questions and then get back to the to the stakeholders, or um, do you just give answers straight away? Uh, it's a, yeah, it's definitely okay to take it offline and say like we need to think more about this. But I think it's also important to be able to go to these stakeholders and challenge them and say, you know, we, we need to we need to understand these pieces of information that we have and it's okay to to tell them that and say let's reconvene and mm -hmm. and see if we understand this you see that, that that's a great advice right there because sometimes i've, I've noticed that it can happen that we, we want to jump straight to the conclusion um like you were saying earlier understanding the, the problem and uh, what you have on your plate is very important sometimes we want to just un, um, jump straight to the conclusion uh, maybe to just to look good uh, in front of our people. Sometimes we might actually uh, mess up a whole project because we want it to look good in front of others. Um, we might have uh, we might slow down uh, the process and, uh, and and get it done uh, the wrong way. So that's why I, I was uh, I was asking that. Uh, sometimes maybe maybe a person that is not extrovert 
uh, needs some time to to think about uh, about the, the the decision to be made on uh, on the next steps. No, not everybody okay. is uh, is uh, is an extrovert person that uh, that can speak out right away. Right, and that's a good point. I, th- I think there's different ways to look at it, right? So some some people prefer to have a conversation and say, "Hey, let's let's talk about this together right now." And some product owners or stakeholders, designers, they they might need to take a bit of time and and think about what they're going to say, and that's fine. I mean, I'd much rather take a bit more time up front when planning than rushing that part and getting it wrong and then having to come back to the drawing board anyways because we didn't. Yeah. We didn't do the right type of research. Yeah, solving another problem you didn't need. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> creating new problems entirely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not what you want. Um, you know, do you have any uh, tips for um, for researchers uh, that are looking to improve their UX approach? Yeah, so I think there's a few tips. I think the the first tip I would say is being able to ask why and really understanding why something's happening because we might say like a stakeholder who is really influential might say i want this done right and it's very easy to say like oh this person says this so i need to say yes okay but it's really if if we need to know something before we say yes to something then it's okay to say well why and i think also the other thing is is being able to being able to push back in a respectful way of course and saying like you know, I, I understand you feel this way, but here's another viewpoint or perspective that you should consider. And at the end of the day, the person might still feel the same way, but at least we've given them the information we feel is necessary to help them make that decision. So it's almost an, an aspect of negotiating, like what do they need? What do they want? But what do they also need to hear from us to help inform their decision? Great mm-hmm, mm-hmm. advice right there. Um, was there any resources that you found uh, very useful online that helped you develop your skills in, in research? There are actually a few, yeah. Um, so there's a podcast out there. Um, you might have heard of it, um, but it, some people haven't. It's called Mixed Methods, which is really great. Never um, heard of it. Interesting. Yeah, it's a really great resource uh, where this uh, a researcher who works at LinkedIn brings on uh, various people in the space and talks about different mixed method strategies. So that's, that's one. Um, another really great one, which isn't really UX related, but I think has helped me in the past, um, Toastmasters, which it has a lot of chapters in the US. They might have resources internationally also, but what they do is they work with people on public speaking and honing those skills, which I think you have to be able to be a storyteller at the end of the day too, when you're doing research, because you have to be able to tell the story behind the findings and what was the challenge you dealt with? How did you address that? What are some uh, roadblocks that you had to encounter and how did you adjust? And what, were the, what was the outcome as a result? And I think being able to develop that public speaking aspect of someone's uh, skill set is really important. Yeah, yeah especially when doing a presentation, uh, presentations, uh, presenting research to, to stakeholders, to, to new people that uh, just came in into the project. It's important to, the, to develop those skills as well. That's uh, something I'm working on uh, myself. And uh, yeah, every day is a learning day. There is uh, new courses out there, new podcasts, uh, new people to meet. I mean, uh, this field is exciting, man. Every time I meet someone, I'm so happy because I can learn yeah. something new. I can learn always something new. 
yeah. a that, reminder, that's like a talking point. to you. Yeah. yeah, talking to you, yeah. a good reminder to never give anything for granted. Always like ask a ton of questions to people. I always ask why things are happening. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think Geek that's really key here. That's really interesting that you say that because I think, you know, we're never done. There's never like a point where we say, okay, we're, we're done with this product. Uh, we should always be wanting to learn. I think the moment we stop saying we want to learn something new, um, that's where we have to reassess um, what we're doing. And I, I think, um, especially in today's day and age, you know, we're, you know, we're in such a, like an interesting period of time where we have resources everywhere. So it could be a bit overwhelming at times. So it's, it's really finding those resources that, that make an impact for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. One thing that I, I would like to ask you maybe is, um, is there anything that you particularly like uh, during the process that you truly enjoy? Yeah. So one thing that I really enjoy um, when, we're, when we're really starting out and trying to define like the scope of a project is, is scoping workshops and having those opportunities to bring together a wide array of stakeholders and have that living, breathing moment together. Because I think it takes a lot of things. It takes, it takes the skill of negotiation when you bring people of differing opinions together. It takes the ability of improvisation because we don't know all the answers, right? And, and that's where we have to say, like, what's an opportunity to, to challenge people and, and give people the opportunity to step out of their comfort zone as well? So, and I think we're able to walk away with something where we can we can learn from it and and test it out with our users and make sure that we're heading down the right path and, and acknowledge if we're not and say, you know, we need to pivot and that's okay because we're doing this together. I think that's the thing too, right? It's, it's, it really is a team sport and it is a collaborative effort and that's what, what it takes to get, to get the job done and make a difference. Exactly. Exactly. And um, me too, since I started collaborating more with, uh, with people in, within my team, I, I enjoy designing much more because um, I used to, I used to uh, design by myself um, at the beginning of my, uh, in the first few months of my career. But then I started collaborating more with people and I, I enjoyed it so much. I mean, designing together and seeing other, other people getting excited about the, the exercises that you bring up. Uh, the things that you that you find out together—it's uh, it's, it's, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I think um, the other thing to mention is because of you know the pandemic we've been in. I mean, I think on one hand, yeah, it's, it's it can be more difficult, but I think we also have all the tools we need to make it happen. So um, exactly. we we can collaborate and we do have the ability, and I think we should we should take advantage of it while we have the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, thanks so much, Perry, for uh, coming to the podcast. I've been uh, th th this has been great. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hope you really enjoyed this episode with me and Perry, um, and you learned better ways on how to define a successful research plan by identifying risks and set expectations from the beginning of a project. Thanks to uh, a keep a kickoff meeting. And um, the people that you, you should get involved um, in your project and um, when your project is, is very important, uh, setting those expectations and uh, working together. In the description of the podcast, you can also find the names and the links um, of the suggested resources by Perry. I definitely recommend to uh, give them a look because they're very, very interesting and it's something that you might want to keep in mind for your career. 
Thank you for listening to Users First. I am so glad that you're listening to my podcast right now. And see you soon.